For so many modern-driven women, life is about being more than one thing. We're multidimensional, and so are our conversations. We carry multiple identities. We can be both mother and artist, both attorney and entrepreneur, both clinician and CEO, both humble and proud. Life for women like us is about both, about all of the above. It's about the and. Our stories are the stories of so many of you. We wanted the freedom and flexibility to live life on our own terms, and we felt the pull to be more present with our families. But we still felt drawn to contribute, to build, and to create. And we wanted to establish financial security for ourselves and our children. For us, that looked like founding software companies, but for you, that may look different. Our mission is to help other smart, conscious women build and grow businesses on the internet. Starting up online can be overwhelming and isolating, but it doesn't need to be. Join us for honest conversations about what it really means to grow an online business that aligns with your values and adds something meaningful to the world. I'm Sandy Connery. And I'm Jenny Barcelos. And you're listening to the And She Spoke podcast. This podcast is brought to you by Marvelous. Marvelous helps you build and grow your own courses, memberships, and live streamed programs. Go from idea to open for business in just minutes. If you're looking for a simple, beautiful, custom branded platform to build and grow your online business, you can learn more at heymarvelous.com. Welcome to the Angie Spoke Podcast. Today we spoke with Roxanne Francis, an award-winning registered social worker and psychotherapist, consultant, and speaker. Roxanne is the owner of Francis Psychotherapy and Consulting Services, and she is also an expert on a variety of topics such as children's mental health, parenting and women's issue, DEI or diversity, equity, inclusion, and burnout. And of course, we zeroed in on burnout because it is such a common thread of conversation that we're currently having in our programs. So please enjoy Roxanne Francis. And if burnout is an issue for you, I think you'll find this conversation extremely helpful. Well, welcome, Roxanne, to the podcast. We're happy to have you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really glad to be here. Roxanne, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself to our listeners? Oh, gosh, yes. So my name is Roxanne Francis, and I am a psychotherapist and social worker, and I run my business in the Toronto area. I run a business called Francis Psychotherapy, where we provide individual therapy to adults, children, and couples, and also, you know, training and consultations to organizations who are trying to help their staff with their mental wellness and try to figure out where they're going with their diversity initiatives. So your business, is it you alone as a practitioner? Or do you have other practitioners with you? Currently, it's just me, but I'm actually right now actually in the search for some other practitioners so that they can see a lot more of the one-on-one clients and I can Mm -hmm. go on doing some of the other business ventures that I have my hand in. Nice. So Roxanne, when you were going into social work and psychotherapy, did you always know that you wanted to have your own business? No, this was never (laughs) on my radar. (laughs) This was never on my radar. You know, a lot of us, especially women, we sort of get into work and we think, oh, I just want to help people, right? We're sort of socialized, I think, to be a little bit altruistic. And that was really my goal. You know, even when I was in school for social work, I really just wanted to be in a place where I could support people. And I wasn't even sure that that would land me into the role of being a therapist. But here I am. And I was doing therapy for a number of different organizations. 
And I actually ended up in private practice doing my own business because, you know, I have a family now and that's a really, really strong value for me. And I feel like I was being asked to put that to the side and it was resulting Mm -hmm. quite literally in my going towards burnout. And I thought, there's no way I went to school for all these years to flame out over my family. I don't think so. (laughs) So I ended up leaving and that's where my business was born. You have control over your hours and how many clients you take on. Exactly. All that. Exactly. Where exactly. you work. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I feel like I needed that, that sense of control over my caseload, the kind of clients I see, how many clients I see, when I work, how long I work. All of those things were dictated by an organization, whether or not mm-hmm. I could go to the parent-teacher meeting that was being dictated by an organization that after a while, I just thought it's just not worth it. Yeah. Roxanne, I'm curious about your own journey with burnout and what did that look like for you and how did you figure out how to get past it? Yeah, like I think like so many women, particularly so many women that I work with, I was in the place where I didn't even recognize that what I was feeling was burnout or I was heading towards burnout. You know, I was overworked, (laughs) had a very high caseload at my job. And I was seeing a lot of trauma clients. And I know there are therapists out there who love working in trauma and I don't mind it, but it was becoming my everyday. And that was taking a toll on me. And not only that, but I worked in an organization where a couple days per week, I had to work till nine o'clock. And, you know, we had to accommodate people who come to therapy after work, which is fine. But I when I was at the organization, I expected that to be to like 7, 7.30. And nine o'clock meant that I would get home and my kids were already in bed. They would get home from school, they would have dinner. And like most parents, I had a really soft place for them and I would miss out on that. And it was really weighing on me. And I was starting to get to a place where I was unhappy at work. I was unhappy with not connecting with my family. I was unhappy with my caseload. I was unhappy with, we had management that really didn't care very deeply or value very much the work that the staff was putting in. And I felt really unsupported. And some of the signs that I talked to people about, I was experiencing them, but not recognizing them as burnout. Mm-hmm. I remember I had one particular client who was, I have to talk about this on here. <laughs> I had one particular client who, you know, was having some suicidal ideation and I left work on a Friday. I'd seen this client on a Friday And the whole weekend, I was preoccupied with whether or not this person was going to be alive when they came to see me on Monday. And over the weekend, I felt myself almost getting sick. My throat was scratchy and, you know, everything in me was saying, maybe you should take Monday off. And on top of that, I had a little boy at home who was also catching up cold. And I thought on Monday, I thought, I can't keep you home because I have to go to work. And so I gave him medication and I sent him on his way. And I raced into work and I ran into my office and I turned on my computer only for admin to call me and say, that person called and they rescheduled until next week. And I sat at my desk and I started bawling, just weeping that, you know, I had, I keep all of my clients in high regard, but here I was so worked up over the well-being of this client and neglecting my own well-being, right? Mm -hmm. You know, so many instances where I could have taken time off and I chose not to. There was another instance where, you know, I put aside vacation, I put aside sick time and my birthday was coming up and I had put a circle on that day in my calendar and I was taking that day off. I was going to have lunch with myself. I was going to, you know, go get a spa day and I had everything planned out. And in the morning I took my little one to daycare and I went to get a massage and it was great. 
and I came out of the building and I sat in my car and there were like a hundred messages from daycare. Your son is throwing up, please come and get him. And I had a moment and the tears just came hot and heavy. And after he came home and we were settled, I really had to ask myself some questions. Why was that my response to missing out on lunch for myself? And I began to realize it was because I wasn't taking enough time to take care of myself. A few weeks after, I was at work, still overworked, still feeling undervalued. And one of my colleagues was walking down the corridor. She was heading out of the building to go have lunch. She popped her head in and she said in the very beautiful, warm, therapeutic way. She looked at me tenderly and turned her head to the side and she said, how are you doing? And again, Mm. I started crying. (laughs) Mm. Came into my office, she closed the door and said, Roxanne, what's going on? And I said, I don't know. I don't feel like myself. And the cases are beginning to weigh on me. And she said, you probably should take some time off. Why don't you go to your doctor and see if you can get a couple of days off? And I thought, I don't know if I need that. And she said, Roxanne, you're crying. I just asked you how you were doing. (laughs) You need it. And so I began to realize that I was either already burnt out or I was very close to it. The beautiful thing, I have a wonderful doctor. The beautiful thing, when I went into her and I said, this is what's happening. She knows about my job. She said, yeah, I can write you three weeks off from work. But here's a question for you. When you go back to work after those three weeks, what is going to change? I thought, huh, that's the kicker. I never thought about that. I just thought, I just need some time off. And I think that's when I began to realize that I was really playing too close to the fire with burnout and something had to give. And so I started being really intentional about taking care of myself. But I think the best, and not everyone can do this, but the best thing that I think I could have done for myself was start to create an exit plan because I recognized that things weren't going to change at the organization. They were always going to have these expectations of me as an employee And that expectation, that delivery for me wasn't sustainable for the kind of life that I needed to live. Can I ask, Roxanne, was this a nonprofit organization? No. No. Wow. Okay. It wasn't. How do I put this? It was publicly funded, publicly funded. And so you kind of had to see everyone who came in through the door. And there was a segment of, I saw a very high needs segment of the population. And so I saw a lot of trauma clients, a lot of very difficult trauma clients, clients who were in situations that they had no hope of getting out of. Mm -hmm. And so that in itself, right, hearing those stories all the time and not being able to sort of move them through to the other side on their journey, that can be hard. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's just listening to your story is so familiar to me because... I'm a recovering lawyer and <laughs> and was a human rights attorney for right. a number of years. And right. the secondary trauma and sort of the public service oriented yes. roles like this, yes. I think, create a tremendous amount of burnout. Just about everyone totally. I know and went to school with and who went into the, these kinds of lines of work has experienced something really similar to what you just shared. And I think we don't talk about it enough. No. And so that's why I asked because, you know, we're now in business as you are and small business is kind of, it has its own challenge. Challenges, but totally. it's to me, it's such a separate animal than the sort of public service mm-hmm. oriented world where I think we really are in our careers expected to give every last ounce of ourselves in service of our clients. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And the interesting thing, if I could, is that when I did get that job, I was very happy to be in that job. Benefits are great. There is a wonderful pension plan. And, you know, one of my friends calls it the golden handcuff. Yeah. Right. And when I was getting ready to leave, when I announced that I was leaving, I had 
you know, there were two camps. There was one set of people who were saying, oh my goodness, you're getting out. That's amazing. This, you know, I hope you flourish. You know, let me know if you need anything. We're so excited for you. You're going to do great. And other people who still, they did wish me well, but there was a lot of worry for me. You know, are you sure you want to leave this pension? You won't have, you know, these benefits are so cushy. You won't have that. What are you going to do? Are you sure this is what you want to do? And there was this fear. But the interesting thing I found is that about a year after I left, in that first year that I left, there was a slew of people who were just beginning to leave. And I feel like people almost needed someone to give them permission to say, it's okay to not just grumble about this not being okay. It's okay to refuse it. It's okay to find another way. Mm -hmm. Right. And was I scared? Bet I was. (laughs) Did you have the guilt, Roxanne, to leave those clients? Like those. Yeah, I did. I think closing with clients when they're not ready to close Mm -hmm. is very, very difficult. When you are in this space of doing therapy work, especially when you're working with a vulnerable population, you are their safety. Mm -hmm. You are the only one who understands. You are the one who knows your secrets about what happened to them when they were eight. They look forward to coming to you. You are giving them motivation. You are giving them the tools to help manage their anxiety and depression. And there is a strong relationship that develops. And so there were a lot of tears from my clients. A few people were angry. Can't believe you're leaving. I don't want to work with anybody else. I'm never coming back here. And so it was challenging. But I had to tell myself that I also deserve preservation, right? My children deserve a mom who's present. And, you know, when I was a little girl, I wanted a family to just love and take care of. And I was so blessed with them. And here I am not with them. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I felt that my desire for wholeness for myself and for my family had to take precedence, but it was hard. Absolutely. And Roxanne, so having gone through this experience yourself, and now I imagine you encounter other women going through Mm -hmm. similar experiences. What is the like first piece of advice you would give to someone who is expressing that they're starting to feel burnout? Be in tune with yourself because burnout is telling you something. It means that something is off balance, right? And what is it that you need in your life in order to create that balance, right? When there's burnout, there's often too much on one end of the scale and it's tipping. The tails are tipping so badly that they're almost vertical, (laughs) right? And so what do we need to put on the other end of the scale so that you can start to feel a little bit more balanced? I'm kind of of the school of that balance is a little bit of an elusive myth, but it doesn't mean that we can't try, right? And I think it is really trying and being really intentional when you are feeling this, what are the cues internally? Are you crying all the time at the drop of a hat like I was? Are you feeling anger and resentment? like I was? Are you wishing that you could do some of the other things that you see other people doing like I was, (laughs) right? What are the things that you want from your life? Is it this? And if you were promised another 30 years in your life, do you want to spend the next 30 years doing this very thing, living this very way? And if that's not the case, then that's what your burnout is telling you. And so let's start walking in the direction of the thing that you actually want. And that will reduce the intensity of that burn. Mm -hmm. So sometimes, so for example, when women build businesses and they've Mm -hmm. chosen intentionally, I'm going to build this business, 
we see a lot of burnout in our clients because they're trying to do everything, right? They're trying to take care of the family and, you know, self-care and then also build a business. And often you can't get out. You can't leave the job and kind of balance things out. And so I often talk to them a lot about like trust, Mm -hmm. like trusting in yourself that you will take care of yourself. Like you have to acknowledge that it needs to be done, but it's like, you don't go all in in your business and forget about yourself. Like you need to trust yourself that you will listen to those cues and signals so that you can do both. Yes, I totally agree. I think even though you are working for yourself and even though we might enjoy the work and it brings us energy, our body still speaks to us, right? Your body will tell you, girl, you're too tired. You need to get some rest. We feel it. We know it, right? You know, I was just talking to a colleague last night. She got so many things on the go, like so many of us, and she was so exhausted. And she said to me, I wish I could take a client day off. And I said, that's it. That's the internal compass that's telling you the thing that you need to do. So you need to lean into that and figure out how to make that happen. Mm -hmm. Right. We were texting each other this morning. She said, I took a day off. (laughs) We were so excited. But, you know, if we were to still our minds for five minutes and just go inward and pay attention to ourselves, we are so we have these magical bodies (laughs) and they tell us what we need right? Whether you listen to yourself and it says you need some help, you need to call in your partner for some support, you need a babysitter for the weekend, you need a hotel for a Sunday just so that you can do your thing and not have to worry about the dishes or, you know, bathing the kids or whatever that looks like. But something inside of us usually tells us what it is that we need. And there are times when maybe you need a housekeeper and you can't afford one. And so you're doing it all, right? I say there might be moments in your life where you do have to just go all in and do it all, Mm -hmm. but that cannot be sustainable. That cannot be long-term. I think as I'm listening to you talk, I think what it is for me is that a lot of women are super intuitive and they can feel that, you know, sense those messages from the body as you've described, but the programming from society is so strong that they are told you know, like Roxanne, you're really only valuable if you work super hard and take care of everyone at your clinic, you know? And Mm -hmm. so you're like, so pressured to take care of other people that you don't listen to that. You sort of tune that out and like, I'll deal with it. You sort of push it aside. I'll deal with it later. Mm -hmm. And so we have to learn to reject those messages. And we as a society have to do, especially us as we're talking here, we have to do a better job of talking to our colleagues, the younger ones coming up behind us, our children, so that we, we have to change the reality for the other women around us, the women coming up behind us. I talk to my mom and she will say sometimes, you know, I had to do this and this and this in the house today, but I was so lazy. I didn't bother. I just took a bath instead. And I have to sort of help her with that. You're just tired. Yeah. <laughs> like lazy. that's like celebrate that. Like exactly. don't feel bad for that. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. You know, I was giving a talk in the spring to a community of mothers. And one of the things that, you know, I was saying to them, we were having this discussion and we were saying, we often talk about this superwoman cape that we wear, not recognizing that that cape is choking you. Mm. Like it's literally choking the life out of us. But we have to be these conquerors. We have to be the star at work and the expert mom, the you know, wonderful mom who's on all the time. We have to be, if you're partnered, you have to be the amazing partner. You have to be, you know, doing all the things. But we actually don't. We don't have to be doing all the things. You know, I heard someone say once that the reason 
that we're probably burning out is because we think that we have to wear all the hats simultaneously and always be 100%. And this person was saying that if you, let's say you're a wife and a mother and an employee or an employer, you can be a great mom and a sucky wife and employee. (laughs) You can be a great employee or employer and have a mom fail and ignore your partner for two weeks right? You can be a fantastic partner, but drop down at the other two things. The problem is that we expect to be 100% all those things all the time. And that's not realistic because we're human beings. And we need to give ourselves the grace to step back a little bit and say, I don't have the energy for that. And like have cereal for dinner once in a while. It's okay. (laughs) Right? We're under so much pressure all the time to be perfect. And that's creating a sense of failure when we don't meet those expectations. And that's another beast, right? When we feel like we've let everybody down, right? Sometimes we have to challenge those norms and change the expectation and allow yourself to step back. And it does not mean failure. I love that. In terms of the cereal for dinner, I can't remember where I first heard this term mermaid dinner. I somewhere on social, somebody <laughs> talked about it. And so I picked that up a couple of years ago. And so yes. I always tell my daughter, like if my husband is out or doing something, we're going to have mermaid dinner tonight yes. and we have like a cereal party and it's yes. like a special thing because it's mermaid <laughs> dinner, which means yep. it has nothing to do with mermaids, but no. I heard it somewhere and it makes it special. So <laughs> I'm I just going to ask like, how does that have anything to do with it mermaids? Doesn't. It, has, it just it, sounds good. It just sounds like something different. So yeah, I think what you're saying is so right. And I think that as women, we feel this need to be perfect. Most of us, especially high achieving women. And I think that perfection actually looks like letting Mm -hmm. a lot of that go. Having a great life looks like letting a lot of that go. Um, Roxanne, before we get too much farther, because I know we're running up against the top of the hour here. I do want to talk to you about yesterday's big announcement by Facebook to become meta and the announcement of the metaverse. And I know some of your work has centered around mental health, around digital health. Mm -hmm. And I'm wondering, first of all, what is your take on sort of the direction that social media has headed? And how do you help your community and your clients really maintain mental health around the internet? I have to say, first of all, I will say I use social media, right? I use it as a tool. I use it to connect and then I turn it off. And I think the discomfort that I have with the metaverse is that now we're stepping into this whole other beast and there will be no off switch, right? I cannot tell you how many teenage girls that I work with who they want to look like the people on the social media influencers. I don't have the body like such and such, and I don't feel beautiful. And the boys at school aren't following me. And there is this unattainable goal right? There was this discussion the other day about whether or not Facebook was going to allow for Instagram to be available to kids as young as 10. I was livid. (laughs) My husband and I were having these verbal battles because he was like, why are you so mad? (laughs) Because 10 year olds shouldn't, you know, again, these are my own values. But as a practitioner, I see the harm that social media can have on young children who still don't understand who they are, who still don't have a handle on who they want to be. It wasn't until later in my life that I was comfortable in my own body and in my own skin, right? Let alone a young person who is still trying to make sense of who they are in this universe, how they look. It can create all kinds of mental health issues, I believe. 
And also to particularly as we have lived through this pandemic, people turned to devices for entertainment. It's been hard to crawl out of that hole. And escape. And escape. Exactly. Exactly. We went really, really far down into that hole and it's been a slow climb out of it. And it's very important that we really exercise the art of real social connection and real face-to-face community, a real face-to-face contact, care for each other. One of the reasons I believe that our society is so inundated with a lot of these mental health issues is because as a society, especially in the Western world, we've stepped away from community living and we've all turned inward into this individual, you know, we're living in, in these silos. And I believe that human beings were never meant to live that way. And so you're not feeling well, you are not feeling good in your mind, you're not feeling good about yourself. Well, there's no one to tell, there's no one to share that with, there's no one to communicate with. And we turn inward and that has its consequences. And I am concerned. We'll have to see how this metaverse rolls out. But I do have my concerns because going towards this virtual world, it takes away from that warmth. It takes away from that person-to-person connection. Can't tell you how many times parents come to me and they'll say, you know, my child is irritable, not listening, extremely defiant. I don't know what to do. Can't sleep at night. We start talking about the use of the devices. We start to pull that back and we start going to the park. We're playing soccer. We're going camping. We're connecting with other children and doing the things of life. And the real child starts to emerge. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I have to say, I am a little bit concerned. We'll You're see against the metaverse. Yeah, we are. <laughs> same. Hashtag same. Yeah, Hashtag band meta. Yes. <laughs> That's powerful. I think about it in such a different way because my background is in climate justice and human right. rights. And I just think about how the real world is, you know, like heading towards apocalypse and we're choosing, I think because it's so hard to accept all of the natural disasters we're facing and all of the social justice, you know, issues we're facing and all the humanitarian crises that I think like as a community, as a society, we're choosing avoidance really Mm -hmm. by focusing inward and focusing online at the expense of actually choosing to solve and engage with the real problems that are going to continue to persist even when we're interacting in this pretend world. I mean, sure, it'd be great to like live in a cartoon the rest of our lives, but that's like not real. (laughs) To me, it's totally insane. And I just think like how many really smart people are spending like their intellectual capacity on solving problems that don't exist versus solving real problems. Let alone all the mental health issues for all of us who are alive right now, which is obviously your focus. It's just so complicated and so problematic. And I, you know, we don't have anyone in charge of those tech companies, right? Exactly. They're not regulated properly. Exactly. That's one of my concerns. Like, who is steering this ship? Right. Mark Zuckerberg. Really? Should that guy have that much power? (laughs) Totally. Oh, man. Well... (laughs) We're going to have to revisit this conversation, I think, in a year's time and see what's happened, because I I don't think we're going to be happy about it. No, I agree. All right. Should we move into Join Hustle? Yeah. So on that note, we're going to talk about (laughs) happiness and joy. So Roxanne, at the end of every episode, we ask our guests to share something that's bringing them joy and a tool that you use that can help our hustlers or help our our (laughs) listeners hustle in their career or business. Oh my gosh. I've never done that before. I'm tired. (laughs) So what is your joy, Roxanne? My joy 
these days is rest. Mm. Um, Good joy. Great joy. (laughs) I saw someone forwarded me a TikTok the other day where someone was interviewing a cyclist, a woman, as she rode by and he shoved a microphone in her face and he said, would you prefer a million dollars or a vacation? And as she rode by, she said, sleep. (laughs) (laughs) And he was packing up and I thought, how poignant, right? And it doesn't necessarily, for me, it doesn't necessarily have to be sleep, although I enjoy my sleep. But, you know, just resting, sitting on the couch with my kids doing word search or after they go to bed, sometimes I might relax with a glass of wine and, and watch something funny. Or, you know, when it was warmer, my partner and I would sit in the backyard and just just chat, right? Just having a time to pull away from work because, you know, I work hard and I help clients solve difficult issues and I work with companies trying to deal with real challenges. And I just have to be mindful to pull away and to just rest. It's so crucial. Yeah. That's a great joy. What's your hustle? So that would be a tool that someone Mm -hmm. could, hmm. I would say that the one that comes to mind right now, which I'm sure a lot of people use would be Voxer. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure you guys are probably familiar with it. Before I went into entrepreneurship, I had no idea what this thing was. And when I was introduced to it, I thought, you know, this thing is genius. Everyone needs to know about Voxer. (laughs) You don't need necessarily, you don't need to share a phone number, but it really is a really cool walkie-talkie app where you can share your thoughts right away, either audibly or through text. And it really does help to speed things up. I can communicate with my VA on the go. And I don't have to be at my computer. I can be at the grocery store and I have a thought. And if it's within working hours, I can share that with her and we just keep going. It just allows for continuity for me, at least. So I'm, I'm a big fan of Voxer. So you only Vox in business hours? <laughs> I try nice to. At the, at the outset, especially when I first, because when I first started, I did not have an assistant. And when my assistant came on board, we were working all the time. Mm-hmm. And then... I began to realize, Roxanne, you're working all the time and she has a daughter and she doesn't need to be working all the time. And she's lovely. She wouldn't say no. And we had a meeting one day. I thought, okay, this is not working. (laughs) I cannot be sending you messages at 8.30 at night, at nine o'clock. That's ridiculous, right? So let's, we have work hours where we communicate with the public during these hours. And then we have some extended time where we can communicate with each other during these times. But outside of that window, sometimes I might share a thought on a Sunday afternoon and I'll say, I'm just putting this here so I don't forget it, but please don't, I don't want you to action any of this until Monday morning, right? So I'm trying to offer her the same courtesy and the same grace that my former organization, you know, they stepped all over my boundaries and Mm -hmm. I don't want to do that Mm -hmm. with her at all. Yeah. And you live in Ontario and your government is talking about a right to what's the word? Shut down, close down. They're, they're like making it mandatory that you can't work in the evenings. Yes. There was, it was actually over the news a few days ago. I don't think it's mandatory yet, but they're talking about, yeah, um, because what they're beginning to realize that I saw a lot of in my work for the pandemic is that people were getting, it's so funny. People were working from home and they were burning out Mm -hmm. because the work just never stopped people, their laptops were open all the time. They were working until 10 o'clock at night. They felt like they couldn't close their computers because they were working at home. And so I think it's a good step, actually, for people who don't know how to set those boundaries. I think it's a good step to say, 
we're done at six o'clock or no messages after 7.30, right? So that people can live their lives without feeling guilty. Yeah, it was interesting. It's the only province in the country that I know of that's sort of proposing that kind of legislation. And it's yeah, it's interesting that that's yeah. even so the thing. Would anyone be immune from that? Like, are there... I don't know the details. I'm sure that there are like the essential, essential workers. Work. Like I'm brain sure surgeons, that, you know? Yeah. yeah, but there should be like no tech work. Like, I'm just thinking about my partner who worked for a big tech company who mm-hmm. would like routinely get paged at like 2.30 in the morning. And there's this expectation in certain oh. corporate culture, right? That you yeah. are like, yeah. it's you're healthy. there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. It's called the right to disconnect. I couldn't find it. Oh my that. God. I love right this right to disconnect. I love that. This, is, mm-hmm. this is like a human right. That's like the new human right. Oh my God. It is. It is. Amazing. Yeah. Smart Canadians always solving <laughs> right. the world's problems. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've been meaning to tell you that, Jenny, because I thought you would God, find that super interesting. But it's, yeah, it. just it just came out a couple of days ago, or they announced yeah. it very recently. So yeah. anyway, okay. Well, Roxanne, so lovely to meet you and Likewise. to chat with you. Thank you Likewise. so much for spending the time. And if people want to know more about you and your company, where would they go? Yeah, they can find me on the World Wide Web at FrancisPsychotherapy.com. I'm also on Instagram and Facebook or Meta <laughs> at Francis Psychotherapy, where I share tips and tools around managing your mental health. And Francis is I-S, not E. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I-S. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. No problem. My grandmother's name was Francis, so she was always spelling it. So. All right. Yes. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much, Roxanne. It's been great. All right. Take care. Have a good one. Right. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Hey, before you go, if you enjoy listening to our podcast and you know that your future involves teaching or coaching online, check out our Inner Circle experience. It's where we take these concepts, women in business, money, online business strategy, mindset, feminism, and help our clients take their expertise and transition it to an online offering. It's a one-year program with high-touch strategy and mindset coaching, online business courses, and the best community on the internet. To apply, head over to theinnercircle.works, fill out our short two-minute application, and if we believe you're a great fit, you'll receive access to a private advanced training on creating a profitable online business and all the program details. Go to theinnercircle.works to learn more.